You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. Rocky Three, which came out in 1982 and was directed by Sylvester Stallone. Now, when we fought, you had that eye of the tiger, man, the edge. And now you've got to get it back. And the way to get it back is to go back to the beginning. You know what I mean? United Artists and Chartoff Winkler proudly present Rocky Three. The worst thing happened to you that could happen to any fighter you got civilized. Get out of here, will you? It's Rocky's greatest challenge to save his honor, his marriage, and his manhood against his most devastating and dangerous opponent. I'll bust you up. Go for it. Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burgess Meredith, Carl Weathers, Burt Young, and introducing Mr. T. Rocky Three. An American tradition. It stars Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Carl Weathers, Burt Young, Mr. T, Hulk Hogan, Tony Burton, and Burgess Meredith. The genre would be boxing drama. This film is about to turn 40, and I have to say that there are few films that I watched more frequently as a young lad on video in the early 80s than this very movie. To me, it's still my favorite film in the Rocky franchise. Now, Creed and Rocky, the first one, are both better movies overall, but this is the one I like to revisit the most. Just those first 15 minutes are jam-packed with highlights. The final count from Creed, Balboa 2, the fight, Clubber Lang jogging around Chicago, Rocky on The Muppet Show, Mickey dressed as Santa, rolling in the grass with Adrian, that's Rocky, of course, <laughs> Polly smashing up that pinball machine, and of course, that first appearance of Thunderlips, played by Hulk Hogan. Oh my God. The ultimate male versus the ultimate meatball. <laughs> Stallone directed this with fiercely effective exposition, but we'll get to that montage a bit later. The big takeaways from this opening act are now seeing Rocky on top of the world as champion and with also a new threat to his title, Clubber Lang, played by Mr. T. Now going back decades, I still think that Clubber is the fiercest threat who Rocky has ever faced, and for good reason. Mr. T devours this character into a primal, perpetually angry bruiser who lives to intimidate those around him. Lang isn't given much depth, as we rarely see him away from Rocky, or the crowds, but he makes for a truly formidable opponent inside and out of the boxing ring. What's your strategy? Don't need any. Balboa is so predictable and stupid, the man comes straight ahead. He's still a maid for me. And he's gonna get hurt. What's your prediction for the fight then? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain. And there's a faux training montage of Rocky being all cocky and arrogant, and then fight night. If I had to pick out the biggest flaw in this film, it is not Mickey's death, which is actually extremely affecting. But the way that it's handled in the context of that fight just always nagged at me. How is there no real doctor to treat him before and or after the fight? 
And why don't they just take Mickey to a hospital right away? It's just weird. As director, Stallone apparently saw this whole scenario as more dramatic, completely occurring in a locker room. But I'm at a loss as to why the scene of Rocky breaking down as Mickey dies wouldn't have been any less effective in a hospital. The way this comes off, it ends up feeling like some EMTs got caught flat-footed and allowed Mickey to die. That said, the loss of Mickey is possibly the most emotional development in a franchise, which has had no shortage of them, and it still gets me. Whatever you want to do, do it, okay? I love you, kid. I love you. And then Apollo enters the picture. Carl Weathers pretty much outshines Stallone in both the acting and athleticism departments. The final half of the film is pure gold. Watching Apollo train Rocky is just so much fun and so rewarding. It makes complete sense in retrospect that we had to see Rocky return that favor 33 years later in Creed. Two hands, right? Damn, man, what the hell are you doing? This guy will knock you on your ass. Come on, Rocky, it's not a game. You want to live in the hospital for five weeks this time? You thought I was tough? This jump will kill you. Come on, come on. Get your head on your shoulders, man. Think about the fight. Think about the fight. Clubber Lang's in here. He's trying to hurt you, Rock. He's trying to hurt you. Okay, here he comes. Which brings us to that final fight. Several rounds playing out in real time, and it might be the best fight in the history of the franchise, or at least up there with that one-shot fight in Creed. Now, no, this is not believable boxing, not in the slightest, and I don't pretend to be a boxing expert, but still, it's become cliche now to point out how nobody tries to block a punch in this universe. But there's drama for sure. Mr. T is just a monster to watch, and it's a kick to watch Stallone's Rocky slowly wear him down by putting all of his new conditioning from swimming and jogging to good use. That final knockout feels earned, and that just nudged forward through montage. And ding, ding. We're wrapping up a very entertaining third film, which probably sets the template for all strong third films moving forward. Not an easy task. And now the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. As he did with the previous two Rocky films, composer Bill Conti once again delivered a rousing and emotional score. The importance of the themes that he crafted for this franchise cannot be understated. I mean, just imagine those training montages without this music behind them. But as mentioned previously, there is an opening montage to kick off this movie after we see the ending of the fight which closed out Rocky 2. 
And Stallone, the director, does a lot with that opening montage as we see the aftermath of Rocky becoming world champion. It is just a joyous trip through nostalgia. And it even brushes over the fact that a brand new heavyweight champion would have actually crammed in 10 fights within two years of getting his belt. I mean, really? What even makes it more effective is the song that we hear over that montage. And that song comes from Chicago's own Survivor, one of the most celebrated arena rock bands of the 1980s. Co-written by guitarist Frankie Sullivan and keyboardist Jim Petrick, they crafted a song requested by Stallone that is likely among the greatest needle drops ever. Anyone above the age of 30 is likely to feel that lightning bolt of recognition from those opening chords of electric guitar. To say that this song was omnipresent in 1982 is an understatement. It spent six weeks at the top of the American charts, won a Grammy, and was also nominated for an Oscar and even an Emmy. And it fits this movie and this opening montage perfectly. That pounding percussion, those smooth piano chords, and of course those energetic vocals from David Bickler. This is the music of hunger and triumph. At the beginning of this story, Rocky Balboa has the heart of a lion. But what he needs to recapture is the eye of the tiger. The next category is Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Overall, Rocky III is a damn tight movie where everyone involved is well-utilized. However, I still have one minor gripe, though it might be a controversial one for Rocky fans. Burt Young is actually quite effective in the role of Pauly, the deadbeat older brother to Adrian who also used to physically abuse her years prior. I mean, come on. Talk about a useless character who was starting to wear out his welcome from the get-go. Why did they keep bringing Pauly back? Like I said, small gripe as we have this extended opening sequence watching Pauly ambling drunkenly around Philadelphia until he gets arrested for smashing that Rocky pinball machine. Then the silly argument with Rocky after he gets bailed out. It really serves no purpose for the rest of the movie except just to show how much of an ungrateful loser Pauly has remained and how he remains a thorn in the side of both his sister and Rocky. Oh, you talk like everybody owes you a living. Shut your mouth. Look, nobody owes nobody nothing. You owe yourself. You're wrong. Friends owe. Friends don't owe. They do because they want to do. Shut your freaking mind. You've been keeping me down. Now, look, Young is a good actor. Don't get me wrong. But he's just taking away screen time, which could have been better used for Clubber, Apollo, or hell, even Mickey before he dies. The next category is the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. Now, for me, there are two moments which stand out the most amongst a film filled with highlights. The first one is pretty much the verbal introduction for Clubber Lang, as we've already seen him fight and glower via montage. 
In what has to be one of the better introductory villain scenes, Clubber actually has the balls to walk up to a public unveiling of the Rocky statue in Philadelphia amidst a large crowd of adoring fans of Rocky and surrounded by police and just flat out challenge Rocky to a title fight. And of course, challenge even Rocky's manhood as well in a deliciously villainous declaration to Adrian, starting with, Hey woman! which Rocky pricelessly takes the bait for with an unintelligible response that is still one of the film's highlights for me. Bad boy, your family doing real nice, ain't it? You call yourself a fighter? Prove it not. Give me that same chance. The way you've been ducking is the disgrace. If he ain't no coward, why don't he fight me then? Hey, woman. Hey, woman. Listen here. Since your old man ain't got no heart, maybe you'd like to see a real man. I bet you stay up late every night dreaming you had a real man, don't you? I tell you what. Bring your pretty little self over to my apartment tonight, and I'll show you a real man. You want you And speaking of Adrian, that brings me to the second trailer moment. Later in the film, we are treated to a now legendary dramatic exchange on the beach when Talia Shire is finally allowed to act as Adrian as she takes Rocky to task for losing his way. What do we have that can't be replaced? What? A house. We got cars. We've got money. We got everything but the truth. What's the truth, damn it? I'm afraid, all right? You want to hear me say it? You want to break me down? All right, I'm afraid. For the first time in my life, I'm afraid. I'm afraid, too. Nothing wrong with being afraid. There is. For me, there is. Why, you're human, aren't you? Look, I don't know what I am. All I know is I'm a liar. And because of that, Mickey ain't here no more. You didn't push him into anything. He was a grown man and he did what he had to do. And you have no right to feel guilty for what happened. You don't. You were a champion and you did what you were expected to do. And you did what I and everybody else thought you should do. And you want to tell me that those fights weren't real? That you were carried? Well, I don't believe it. No, I don't care what anyone says. I will always share that clip for how a marriage is supposed to be. That is some love for your ass. And now the final category, the MVP. The person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. It's kind of easy to forget all these decades later, but during his heyday, Stallone was more than just a big-time movie star. He was a true auteur, no joke. As was also the case with both Rocky II and Rocky IV, Stallone not only starred in the titular role, but was the sole writer and director of these films. The immense charm and charisma that he brought to the role of Rocky has been pretty consistent across every film of this franchise, including the slightly underrated Rocky V. And clearly, Stallone did a masterful job writing the very first Rocky in the mid-70s, which he also won an Oscar for. But regarding his career as a director, I believe that this was Stallone's peak. Now granted, this film would be followed up in succession by Staying Alive, Rocky IV, and Cobra. You're a disease, and I'm the cure. Films which certainly have their moments, even though they're mainly extended music videos for the most part. So the drop in quality after Rocky III was kind of precipitous. But seriously, this film has it all. The montages, the quiet character moments, the goofy humor, the momentous fights, and some big drama along the way. From a narrative standpoint, it's not perfect, but it is just deliriously entertaining. It's the prototypical third movie in a franchise, and there was only one man who wore so many hats to pull it off. His name is Sly, and he is the MVP. My rating for Rocky Three is four and a half stars out of five. When you're looking to craft a sequel which can capitalize on the goodwill generated by its predecessors while also taking your characters in intriguing new directions, look towards Rocky III for inspiration. 
I have zero hesitation even declaring it the best third film in a franchise ever, just ahead of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Goldfinger. And if you're looking to watch Rocky Three, it is currently streaming on HBO Max, Max Go, and DirecTV. And that ends another punchy review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.